Packers president and CEO Mark Murphy, and Chris McIntosh, the deputy athletic director for the University of Wisconsin. Gentlemen, welcome to the show, and thanks for taking the time out today. Well, thank you. It's uh, <clears throat> it's my pleasure, and I know Chris feels the same way. We're uh, happy to be able to talk with you, although we wish it was uh, about different uh, different items. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris, I know you can attest to the same thing. And uh, I wanted to group you guys together because of, uh, well, there's an obvious football connection. And there is a little bit of runway here until the NFL begins. And while virtual meetings are going on in place of OTAs, you know, the path is still toward beginning the regular season on time. Football at the college level appears to be uh, all over the place, Chris, and I'm sure you've taken notice what's happening in different states with different universities. Is there a university position on playing football if virtual learning were to continue at the University of Wisconsin in the fall? Yeah, Greg, that's a good question. Um, You know, we haven't spent a lot of time thinking through that scenario, to be frank with you. yeah, our chancellor, Chancellor Blank, as recently as yesterday, uh, shared a statement in which uh, all the efforts of the university are to bring students back to campus um, in Madison in fall. Um, admittedly, you know, the offerings might be different. There might be uh, hybrid uh, educational opportunities, but, um, you know, all the work that is being put behind us is to bring uh, students, uh, in her words, thousands and thousands of students back to Madison and uh, we expect that our student-athletes will be part of those students. You know, Mark, in, in a similar position, you have events throughout the summer that welcome in fans. Um, just thinking historically about training camp, the shareholders meeting, of course, the preseason, all of these great things in advance of the regular season. What can you tell us about your ability to plan for events that historically include the general public? Well, you know, kind of like, as, as Chris said, you know, we're – at this point, we're planning to have them, and uh, we're going to remain flexible, though, and any decisions that we make will be based on the latest advice from medical and public health officials. I think the other thing, quite honestly, and uh, you know, from a football perspective, certainly the NFL, I think we can learn a lot from what Major League Baseball is doing now, what the NBA and the NHL are doing um, so we're following that very closely to see, you know, what what things may work for them, uh, particularly as it relates to whether it be testing or contact tracing, uh, different things that they may that they're doing to try to get their uh, you know athletes into the facility, and also what they're doing, you know, whether whether it's games without fans, uh, you know, it's it's really it's an unprecedented time. So none of us have ever seen this before. We don't know how things are going to play out, um, and there's certainly a lot of uh, uncertainty. But, um, you know, I guess the other thing is, you know, we've got uh, almost four months before uh, the opening of our regular season. So as we've seen, you know, you look, we're, look where we were four months ago, things have changed dramatically. And, uh, you know, the, the, there is the old saying, you know, hope is not a strategy, but um, so we're – planning right now to, to play a full season and what we don't want to do is set false deadlines um, and then you know and, and or speculate about what might happen if this or that so I know we'll be uh, at least I'll be probably a very bad interview for you guys because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense to talk about things that you don't know that are going to happen <laughs> well I, I guess to that end you know it, it, you can plan a variety of different ways and have contingency plans 
uh, at the professional level, it's it's quite a bit different than what you're working through, Chris, here at the university level, uh, because some of the athletes may not have the ability to train at their home or lift weights or, or do some of the things that the professional athlete uh, might be able to do. Uh, how, how do you factor in the conditioning and readiness of athletes to begin a season, given they may not have the same luxuries as you know people at the professional level? Yeah, um, you know, I, I've been amazed throughout this whole process how uh, resilient our student athletes have been uh, and our coaches in in adapting to the circumstances. Um, our coaches and our, um, in particular, our strength coaches have stayed in close contact with our student athletes uh, to check in, check in with them often to you know make sure first and foremost that they're staying healthy, but also. Um, to just check in with them on, on what their training has been like. We're in a, in a mode right now of uh, voluntary workouts. Um, and so while different student athletes have access uh, to varying levels of uh, resources, it's been fun to watch how um, innovative some of our student athletes have been in creating uh, workouts for themselves. And, you know, in, basically doing the best they can in, in a tough circumstance. So um, we won't take anything for granted when the, when the time is right and when it's appropriate to bring those athletes back to campus. Uh, we'll do everything we can to make sure that, you know, their conditioning level is appropriate and, and there's strict protocol uh, from our doctors and from the NC2A on the, um, uh, the kind of on-ramping on period uh, before they can get into contact drills. and, and uh, But, uh, you know, our young people are uh, as resilient as any, and um, they've shown it during these times. Chris, is spring football even being considered as a, as a possible way to welcome in fans and, you know, the later portion of the year? Yeah, you know, Greg, I think, I think all things are being considered um, – I would echo, you know, what Mark said, and that is uh, we've tried to prepare for uh, just about any scenario that we can imagine, um, but we stopped short of predicting any of them. Um, spring football is one of those, although uh, it hasn't been the priority. Our priority has been uh, to ensure that our our student-athletes and our fans and our staff and our coaches are safe for what we anticipate will be a a kickoff on Labor Day weekend, but um, it is one of the options that's been talked about. I think it's safe to say that it's, um, you know, the, the kind of the last resort um, by a long shot. You know, Mark, it, it seems like the Packers are operating at a, you know, full steam ahead business as usual, as much as possible anyway, sort of approach. But how has the pandemic affected your ability to budget? Well, it's a, it's a good question. Um, you know, and, and as Chris said, we're, you know, we're looking at all different uh, financial scenarios going into the future, uh, working obviously with, with the league. And, uh, you know, one thing I would say, um, you know, the league got a little bit, quite a bit of criticism for moving ahead. Uh, number one, first with free agency and then the draft and then the schedule, rele- schedule release. And I think particularly with the free agency, there was a sense that, you know, we really were toned up. Here we are in the middle of a pandemic and we're signing players to million-dollar contracts. Um, but, you know, in some ways, I, I think 
and this is especially true with the draft. I think fans really, uh, really appreciated the diversion um, that, you know, I mean, our lives have been turned upside down. Uh, there's so many worries that we have. We've got relatives that are ill, uh, all kinds of problems. So to have and not having live sports, uh, the closest I think we've come recently was was a draft, and I've uh, got a lot of positive feedback from people uh, regarding that. You know, in, in terms of the budgets, um, you know, I mean, we, we do a great job uh, in terms of uh, budgeting from year to year, and, uh, you know, this is certainly going to change dramatically uh, or could, has the potential to change dramatically. The good thing for uh for the NFL is we're at a time now where a very small percentage uh, of our revenue comes in comes in to the organization between uh, you know basically the time that we've been in so far March through Ju- June or July it's about two percent per month so uh, that's something that uh, we can manage but you know as we get in uh, further along obviously it's going to be more challenging. You know, Chris, a similar question for you. Obviously, football is a driving force uh, for the university, and uh, missing out on the NCAA tournament uh, was damaging on a variety of levels, uh, including the fan engagement standpoint. How does the university athletic department work through this process uh, with so many different sports to consider? Yeah, it, it certainly presents a, a first-of-its-kind challenge um, for our university. Um, but you know, Barry's philosophy for a long time has been um, to be relatively conservative with our resources. We, you know, we're not one of the programs that you read about that has spent their money frivolously. And um, it's allowed us to be in a position right now to allow the, and the landscape to unfold and to um, act accordingly. So we don't, we're not in a position where we need to make rash decisions, but um, you know, there's no way to overstate the challenge that we would face. Should we find ourselves uh, in a situation in which the fall seasons didn't take place or, or even the winter beyond. You know, I guess sometimes we look at football in the college landscape in sort of a vacuum and forget about women's volleyball and cross country and other sports. Now, certainly the hope is to have students back on campus uh, in the fall if football does come back, Chris is maybe it's a crystal ball question here, but would the door then be open for some of the other sports to have those student athletes back on campus? Absolutely, uh, that's our goal. Um, you know, when it's appropriate to bring our student athletes back to campus, um, I, I purposely use the word student athletes because it's not limited to just our football student athletes. We've got over eight hundred student athletes, and uh, it's our core mission to. Uh, provide opportunity through athletics for all 23 programs, and uh, we would anticipate that they would all come back. Hey, Greg, it's gender equity. You couldn't just bring football back. Sure. Without the, <laughs> no, I, you know, having, you, you, been, uh, having been an athletic director for 17 years, I've dealt with uh, gender issues quite a bit. And, uh, no, it's, uh, you know, uh, what Chris and Barry are dealing with is a lot more complicated than just one football team. And uh, so they, they've, uh, when you, you factor in, you know, what you've got to deal with, with whether school, whether the school is virtual, whether students are on campus, 
uh, it really becomes a lot more complicated, uh, I think. No, I, without question, right? There's 130 FBS programs to be concerned with, and that doesn't even include FCS programs, Division Two and Division Three. So, uh, it really the it, the headache it appears to me to be at the college level. But Chris, we've seen some universities already pull back and and change formats and realign how their conference is laid out, and the the tournament level competition has been reworked and in some cases universities are losing sports uh is is that worst case scenario for the university of wisconsin yeah greg what i would say is we're doing everything we can to avoid having to face a decision like that at wisconsin um you know we've got a, a strong partnership with our campus um it is complicated um you know our 23 sports and 800 plus student athletes but you know we roll up into a university that's got uh in excess of forty thousand students and so safety for our student athletes goes beyond our facilities it's in the uh residence halls and in the lecture halls and beyond and um so it's complicated there are many many factors that we're trying to work through and um it's, there's no doubt that the fall um, as as mentioned by our chancellor yesterday, will feel different on campus. Um, but I think everybody's confident that we can have a great uh, student experience and that our student athletes will have a great experience. Um, some of those scenarios, the longer we get, uh, present financial challenges that will be difficult to, to work through. But we've not had discussions about uh, eliminating any of our programs. And in fact, our priority is to preserve the kind of broad-based opportunity that we've uh, come to enjoy. So that's that's where our work is at. Mark, we do have a, a listener question that I'd like to throw your way. Here it is. I'm a season ticket holder for the gold package, the Milwaukee package, and I'm 80 years old. My wife is 77. I have two adult children that go with me, and they both have cystic fibrosis. And I'm wondering how the Packers are preparing to keep us safe you know mark not to rob for the integrity of the of the question but to broaden it a little bit we don't know if fans will be allowed in the stadium when the season begins we don't know if they'll be allowed in in december and and that's one of the big questions we're all you know anxiously awaiting and and we hope that we can pack lambeau field like we have for so many years and enjoy packers football uh you don't know the answer to that question neither do i but do the Packers, in your opinion, are, are are you are you doing what you need to do to prepare for doing anything to improve or enhance health and safety if and when fans are allowed into the uh, stadium? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, no, we, and we're we're not going to put our fans number one or our players and coaches and employees in a situation that where their their health and safety is at risk. So that's, you know, we, we're following very closely all of the medical and health, uh, health officials, ex- their expert opinions and the CDC guidelines. And no, absolutely. I, yeah, you know, he, he, we're, we're not going to have people come to the stadium if there's a, there's a high risk or there's any risk. And, and what is the communication with season holders been like? I'm sure many have questions uh, like the gentleman we just played and all sorts of different shapes and sizes to the questions being asked. Oh yeah, no. That's uh, you know obviously. Uh, well, the, the one thing we did, we knowing that people are struggling now financially, we uh, we uh, <clears throat> moved back or postponed the uh, de- moved the deadline for season tickets. I think from March fifteenth to June June first to give people a little extra time. And 
Yeah, no, our ticket office has been in touch with uh, a number of people that have questions, and, uh, you know, we're working through those. And, uh, you know, as Chris and I both said, we're, you know, we're still, uh, you know, planning on having a a full regular season with uh, fans in the stands. And if we have to make changes, we will do that, and we'll let people know uh, what uh, what adjustments uh, we may make. You know, part of the reason I wanted to, to group you guys together in this town hall uh, half hour is because you guys are working in lockstep on an event October 3rd at Lambeau Field. Uh, Chris, I'm sure you saw earlier in the week, maybe just a couple days ago, Notre Dame said there will be students back on campus in the fall. That's the plan. Uh, I would look at that as a positive step in making sure, uh, or at least hoping that the Notre Dame Badgers football game goes off as planned at Lambeau Field. How are you and the Packers working together through this time knowing that it's it's not an NFL game at Lambeau Field, but it is a college game at Lambeau Field. Yeah, we, you know, we've enjoyed a, a great partnership with the Packers. Um, and, uh, you know, this is the second time in, oh, five years or so that we'll play a game at Lambeau. Um, the last time was a thrilling experience for our players and coaches. Uh, it was it was kind of a magical afternoon. And um, I can tell you, everyone... Uh, is excited to play Notre Dame on October 3rd in Lambeau. Um, you know, we've been working closely with the Packers. We've been lo- working closely with Notre Dame. Um, the theme is the same, Greg, and that is um, we're preparing for any number of scenarios to take place that day and predicting none of them, but we are working towards uh, that game taking place. And uh, I would just share with you that our um, football players couldn't be more fired up uh, to play that game for obvious reasons. And our fan base has been just ecstatic about the possibility. And so we're doing everything we can to make sure that that takes place. Well, and part of the reason that experience uh, against LSU at Lambeau was so magical is the fan component, right? The juxtaposition of red and white with the purple and yellow and welcoming in a new fan base to a place they'd never been. Uh, it was a magical day at Lambeau Field. It could not be duplicated at the college level, maybe, unless uh, this game gets... Yeah. We could not have scripted it any better. No. I mean, it was perfect weather. <laughs> it was a close game. Badgers won. You know, and the amazing thing about it, it was about, in terms of the crowd, it was just about 50-50. I mean, the LSU fans, they traveled. Now, you know, we know what the weather is like in late August in uh, Louisiana, so they wanted to get up here. We heard that every single Kohler course was booked, fully booked for the, the whole week before the game. So I think it was all LSU fans coming up to Wisconsin. Well, the interesting part of this one, though, is this is actually Notre Dame's home game. So uh, we've been – obviously, we're dealing with both, and we're in constant communication, and, and they have a great relationship with Barry and everybody at, uh, you know, at Wisconsin. But uh, we're working pretty closely with Notre Dame, and it, uh, it should be – it's good. It's you know. It's it should be just a tremendous, uh, tremendous event, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, and I guess the the point of the of the question is that that atmosphere was just incredible. Does college football work without fans, Chris? If if that's what the mandate is, and that's where we are with science and testing and so on, if they say yeah, we football's okay, but just, we just can't afford to have anybody in the stands, does that work at the college level? Yeah, I think it would, Greg. It, it would certainly be different. Um, it would be a, a similar challenge to what I presume other leagues, NFL in particular, would be working through. But, you know, 
the question that you're asking is, is football possible without fans? And it, it is, um, you know, many of us played football for many, many years. Without <laughs> I was say, I had a lot of high school and college games, but not many. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, would it be uh, disappointing that, you know, an experience like the one that we've been describing couldn't take place? Yes, it would. Uh, it most certainly would. But, you know, to the point that Mark made earlier in response to, you know, the caller, the priorities uh, that we're looking at are, they frankly just, they outrank, they take priority over um, the atmosphere that we uh, hope will take place. And, and that is, you know, we'll do what's appropriate to keep our fans and to keep our players and our coaches safe. And if that's the case, if it's, if it's uh, 22 players on the field and some coaches on the sidelines, um, you know, that'll work. Uh, football works in that scenario as well. You know, Mark, we only have about a minute left, but can you identify some of the ways the Packers are giving back during these challenging times? Sure, sure. Um, well, first of all, we set up uh, COVID relief uh, funds for, uh, so we put a million and a half in, a uh, million dollars for the Green Bay area for uh, organizations and people impacted by uh, COVID-19, and then 500000 in the Milwaukee area. Uh, we also have done all kinds of PSAs, social media, just trying to get people aware of the different things that we can do to slow down the spread of uh, the pandemic. And then uh, the other thing we've done to try to help the community is have diversions. I mentioned the draft. And then uh, Legacy, our documentary on uh, to celebrate our 100th uh, anniversary, we've been releasing uh, one episode uh, a week uh, for the last uh, last month and a half or so. And uh, I think the next one coming up is the 90s. So that should be pretty good with, uh, with Brett Favre and obviously Super Bowl went in there. Well, gentlemen, I, I can't appreciate uh, your time enough. It is uh, remarkable to have you guys on the air with us and sharing your stories and, and how you're working through these challenging times. Uh, Mark, I hope to see you at a game sometime soon. Chris, uh, I think you tackled me in seventh grade football back when you were playing in Pewaukee. I'm still feeling the uh, effects of that. But hope to see you sometime <laughs> soon at a game in Madison. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Greg. Oh, thank you.